Okay, we ready? Just about. Let's go. So we're uh, we're back on the Bon Jovi Talk podcast. We've got Jerry on, um, somebody that I've wanted on the podcast for a while now. A huge, huge Bon Jovi fan, as you can tell behind behind him, all his uh, merchandise and you know trinkets and stuff. So as always, I let the, the guest introduce. So Jerry, do you want to introduce yourself and how you got into the band and, and whatever else? Uh, obviously, you know, like, like Jay said, my name is Jerry, and uh, I've been a Bon Jovi fan. It'll be 20 years in June. Um, I became a fan when It's My Life came out, um, and just all started from that. I uh, begged my dad to find me the Crush album, which was coming out, and uh, fell in love with that album, and just got the older albums, and that's how it all started, and 20 years later, been to 53 shows, and blah, blah, blah. Wow, 53? Yep, 53. No, excuse me, 52, 52. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, you're similar to myself, you know, when, when Crush came out, that's when I became a fan, and I think we're a very similar age, I'm 27. Uh, I'm 20. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of, you yeah. know, almost identical, so I, came, I became a fan mainly through my brother, he was a huge Bon Jovi fan at the time, and as I said, Crush came out and Bon Jovi were everywhere, so how did you end up being a fan, was anyone... I'm a fan of the band, you know, before yourself, and then you got into them, or was it through the radio and TV? I was uh, sitting in front of, I don't know if you had VH1, where you yeah. were here in, in the States, um, when VH1 did play music videos, uh, I was sitting in the living room in the morning, and the music video for It's My Life came on, and uh, I thought it was just so cool like just the way that the, the stunt actor was jumping off of you know jumping on the garbage truck or jumping off the bridge and just trying to get to see bon jovi in the tunnel and then you saw john and richie and tico and david and i just thought they, they all look so cool and like they look like they had it and i was like this band is is on fire and this is like i said this is before the crush album was coming out and once the day that it came out in june i begged my dad to buy it and thankfully he did because that's how it all started. And I just remember, I listened to that album every day all summer. And then eventually bought all the other discography and went on from there. So was there anything else on the Crush album that instantly got you? As you said, you know, the It's My Life video instantly, oh, yeah. you know, pulled you in. Yeah, on the, on the Crush album, you know, as, as an eight-year-old kid, the, you like the fun, catchy stuff. And so when I was a kid, I liked the, in the beginning of One Wild Night, yeah. when they did that cha-cha-cha music. I thought that was so funny, and I'd play that for my friends, and they'd laugh. And and then at the end, when they do the whole James Brown uh, yeah. talk, I, you know, we'd laugh at that. And you know, Captain Crash, you know, the fun songs. But uh, one song that I really fell in love with was um, it was my favorite. Uh, was Say It Isn't So, which was actually the second second or third single off that album. So, but yeah, I think Say It Isn't So is a very underrated song. It's kind of Goes oh, missing. Not not many people even mention, it. and I know a lot of people don't really like it, which is strange because similar to it to my life, it was a video that instantly pulled you in. Obviously, with the stars, the Hollywood John in like a silver type of with the shades on. It was just 
it was one of them videos that instantly got your iPhone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I like when the car breaks through the screen at the beginning. Yeah. Like, because it, it looks like they're in some kind of, like, I think it was Hollywood or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the car comes crashing through. And then you realize that they're on a stage <laughs> and it's a fake screen behind them. And yeah, just to kind of show what Hollywood is actually yeah, really like. Exactly. That's it, yeah. So, yeah. Um, obviously, after Crush came the Bounce album. So, did you get any of the old albums in between Crush and Bounce, or did you go straight to Bounce and then, you know, kind of carry the albums on? Uh, no, uh, when Crush uh, was out, that's what I listened to all summer. And then I was like, you know what? I really love this album. And, uh, my dad offered to buy the other the other albums because he told me that there was 80 stuff at the time i didn't know that they were in the 80s and uh, my dad showed me a picture of them with the big hair i was like oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i was like i don't know about this and uh, so my dad actually did uh buy he bought me slippery new jersey you know all the albums prior to crush and uh like i did the crush i just fell in love with the music and and uh my second favorite album when i was a kid was um the Keep the Faith album. Okay. I thought that was a really cool album. And, uh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, once Bounce came out, I just kind of progressed and progressed as albums came out and stuff. And, you know, 20 years later, you know, huge fan still. So well, that, That's kind of one of the, the points that I've, I've got on my notes is I always kind of ask the people who've been a fan for, like yourself, 15, 20 and plus years, What's kept you as a fan? What's you know brought you back to to this day to still be a diehard fan? As I said, as you can see behind you, you know with recent recent photos, nothing from the eighties and nineties. It's still all current, and apart from the crush one, obviously it's all current stuff. Yeah, you know, I was eight years old when I became a fan, and so that's a pretty young age to be become. Bon Jovi is probably one of the very first things that I became so passionate about. And so, like I said, progressing into their other albums and growing with the new albums, you, you make memories with those albums. So, like, I, if I listen to the Bounce album, I think of myself when I was in fourth grade as a 10-year-old kid or have a nice day when I went through my first breakup. You know, so you listen to certain songs that remind you of a breakup that helped you through or, like, the Lost Highway album, every time I listen to that album, I think of when my dad passed away and how that album helped me through it. Um, you know, there, there's just some songs that become your favorite, and you know these albums and these songs you listen to almost every day of your life, and you know it's just it's it's, it's memorable to me. You know, just to kind of know um, that you've grown with this band. You know, I feel so jealous of the fans who have been there since day one in 1984. You know, because they have grown with the band 36 plus years. You know, you and I we've only grown with them for the last 20. But it, it's still incredible to kind of look back and see all that all that we have seen since 2000. You know, does that make sense? Oh, of course. And since 2000, I think we've been spoiled with how much quantity and you know, how much you know uh, material we've got from the band. You know, almost every year or two, there's a new album, or there's a tour, or there's a, a box set of some sort. So, as as much as we all kind of want another, let's say, 100 million box set you know it's we still get the odd little thing in between you know even if it's being on bridges you know we still get yep. something in between um and i think we've been even though as you said you know we never got stuff from the early days where you know we kind of witnessed them in their prime let's say we still have so much in the last 20 years that we can look back on yeah and, and i have to ask you what 
you know, what made you stick around to be a fan for the um, last 20 years? Do you know what? It's in, that's a good question, really. I've never been asked that myself. So, as I said, my brother was a massive fan of the band um, and stopped becoming a fan when around 2006, 2007. So his last show was, remember when the band opened up the O2 Arena? Yeah. Um, my brother went to that and was like, that, that's it for me, I'm done. And obviously I was like 14 years of age. So to me, I was like, I was heartbroken that he wasn't a fan anymore. So I was like, oh, blah. So in my head, I kind of got on the, you know, I was a bit defensive over it and I was like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then just, uh, there's no other band that's, uh, that's gave me a buzz like Bon Jovi, even still to this day, you know, I wouldn't stay up, you know, the other day it was one o'clock in the morning when John done the Jersey for Jersey. Any other band, as much as I love them, I wouldn't stay up that late for. Whereas if it's Bon Jovi, I'm like, you know what, I'll stay up for this, I'll give it a listen. And it's just that, yeah. it's still that like connection that I've, I've still got and I'll always have. And then they always, they always prove me wrong, you know, you know yourself, where I'll go to a show and I come away and I'm like, wow, like Dublin night one blew me away. I went in with no expectation and it blew me away. And I was like, that's the band, that's them. That's who I, I love. And I think yeah. you just sometimes need that recharge of them. Uh, you need to, I hadn't seen them for a couple of years, you know, or certainly I hadn't seen them for six years in a stadium. So to go and see them again was just like, yeah, that's, that's the band. There's no buzz like a Bon Jovi show. The build up, the whole day, there's just nothing like it. Yeah, like you said, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being able to see your favorite band. You know, I, I tweeted out this morning, I posted a video that I recorded back in uh, 2018 in Allentown, where John was playing Bad Medicine. And I tweeted, like, how happy I'm going to be when I get to be in front of, in front of the stage again, being able to, to see my favorite band singing my favorite songs with thousands of other fans, you know? Because I, I think it's going to be a while before we see that. I honestly do. Well, um, that, that, that's a good point. So uh, I wanted to ask you because obviously the band hadn't announced anything for the UK as of yet and, and hadn't, you know, up until the other day. Um, and we got the news that the, the, the tour has been cancelled, it hasn't been postponed, there's been no dates, you know, like for 2021 yeah. or anything. It's been, at the moment, it's cancelled. I want to know your thoughts on one that the band cancelling the tour which in my opinion i think is fantastic what they've done the gesture that they've done to give the money back is just incredible because uh, there's a lot of bands out there who wouldn't do that and then oh, yeah. second of all obviously you you had i presume i think you had tickets didn't you for for some shows so is there are you gutted or are you just kind of like it's the right decision and when it happens it happens yeah yeah i had thousands of dollars invested in these in a few shows um and so when this whole virus you know broke out you know and then i saw the Ticketmaster and live nation weren't issuing refunds unless the tour was actually canceled yeah. so if it was postponed you it was harder to get a refund you'd have to fight a Ticketmaster. and so i kind of had a feeling john was going to cancel because he knows you know how fans need the money right now and um, so I was kind of glad that he did it because there, there are a lot of people out there who do need that income right now, that need their money for groceries, bills, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I was kind of worried that the tour was going to get postponed or canceled, but a couple of weeks ago, I, I knew it was coming. Yeah. I just, I had a feeling and, and it did happen. Uh, but, you know, I don't, 
I think we're going to get the tour hopefully next year, you know, or 2022. Obviously, it won't be the 2020 tour. <laughs> no. you know, I, I kind of have a feeling that 2020 is going to be released. Um, but So I think the next tour, I think it's going to be like a 40th anniversary tour. I, I think yeah. it's going to be that. Yeah. Or it'll either be a 40th anniversary tour going into 2023, or they'll release a new album. Yeah. But 2022 tour that and then do an anniversary tour yeah like that that's a good point you've just made because a lot of people uh, are obviously and as you've just said they're kind of like it's the 2020 album and they're not going to be touring in 2020 um but that doesn't mean that they can't release nothing next year or 2022 or 2023 as you just said you know what i mean it's just because there is an album now doesn't mean that they even have to tour it at all um so and two years is plenty of time obviously you know to, to record an album and and do what they need to do and I, I I think what you've just said is is probably going to happen I think we'll get something else in that time yeah. um, because this house and office sale was 2016 and I didn't get to see them till 2019 because that's when they came to the UK so it's it's no difference in that sense for me do you know what I mean but if you've had tickets and obviously you've looked forward to it I imagine you know even though you prepared yourself there must still be a bit of disappointment so maybe that's the wrong word but you know, obviously, you, as you said, you've spent a lot of money and you've kind of been excited to go and see them. Um, yeah. I, I want to kind of touch on the comments John said, though. He, he, he'd done the Howard Stern interview and he said, um, obviously, with what's going on, 2021 could potentially be ruled out with, you never know what's going to happen oh. at this point. Are you talking about the Howard Stern interview? Yeah, when he said um, that potentially they might not tour again. What do you make of them comments? Do you think it's not so much tongue in cheek, but do you think it's just more he's preparing himself not to tour again? Or yeah. I was on the fence about it until he mentioned it in, in an interview the other day that he, he will do another tour when touring is, is able. So I think when he said on Howard Stern, I don't think he was clear enough. I think he meant that when touring for in general can happen. Yeah. Um, but to, to be honest with you, with the band going into 40 years, and this is just my speculation, and I think with Tico up in age, I think if we don't see a tour until 22 or 23, I, I have a feeling this is going to be the last tour. Really? Yeah, I mean, if you look at, I, I think, you know, my speculation was with this house tour, you know, John, I mean, John drug out that tour for three, three and a half yeah. years. You know, and they were doing set, then going home for a few months, then another, you know, they were kind of dragging it out. And then with this new tour, they were only doing 18 shows alike, and that was it for the year. Yeah. And I think they were going to drag this tour out a little bit and then do a 40th anniversary tour. And I just, I kind of have a feeling that tour is going to be delayed for another couple of years. I, I, I feel like with Tico up in age and the band kind of settling down, which is, you know, I respect, you know, if, if it's time is time. I think we're going to see a, a final tour here very soon. You know, and they're not going to be like Kiss or Motley Crue who have two, three, four reun you know, final tours, you know? You know, but I don't think that's going to be the end of being able to see the band. I think the band will still do a show here or a festival there or, you know, you know John's work ethic. He ain't oh, yeah. slow down. You know, I'm sure he's going to maybe produce another solo album or do runaway tours or do little events here and there. You know, but I just I, I think we're 
I think now with this whole virus thing and from what I can take from how the band is lately, I think we're gearing up to seeing the end of the, the touring for them. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. You know, at least overseas, you know, maybe in the States they might do a little more stuff, but I think we're gearing up for the end, unfortunately. It's, you know, then this is, this is still a five-year look. You oh, know? Yeah. So I, th I think we still have a few more years to see them and stuff like that, but... One or two more albums, I think. It's mad because I remember after the, the Lost Highway tour, that was kind of the first tour, maybe even 2006, I remember kind of thinking, oh, what if what if this is the end of the band? I, I don't know why, I just kind of got, you know, where you just, as a fan, you just think, that might be the last time I ever see them. And every tour since then, I've always thought that, whereas now it's starting to become reality, I think. As you said, Tico's, none of, well, none of them are getting younger, but Tico certainly is obviously, you know, the heart and soul of the band, you know, the, the the effort he puts in and the force he plays with, how long can he keep that up? And obviously he's had, you know, numerous back injuries and whatever else. And as you said, it's it's kind of sad that we could be in the last five years of the band now, as you said. Yeah. Or, or certainly, you know, the, the, as a as a massive tour and actor, at least anyway, it's, it's quite sad, really. Yeah. You know, and I also wanted to mention too, you know, once touring for any band starts up, you know, Live Nation's saying it might not happen for another 18 months. Yeah. You know, and if it does happen in 18 months, you know, they're working on, they want a vaccine to be produced for this virus. So when Torn does start back up, it might start out in small venues. Obviously, you know, Bon Jovi's a lot bigger than a small venue. You know, so I don't think we're going to see any arena or stadium tours for any band until 22. Wow, really, yeah? I, I, I think so. You know, we're already in May, 18 months. You know, that's, that's leading to the end of 21. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, true. You know, and, and I hope it's not. You know, I, I really hope we get a lot more albums and a lot more tours from the band. You know, I don't want to see it end. Yeah. I really don't. It just, I'm being realistic, and I, I do think we're gearing up for the end. Yeah. So I want to, up until about February, I think it was, we'd heard two songs, obviously, off 2020 in Unbroken and Limitless. So already that was a fifth of the album um, that we'd heard, and then we kind of got uh, Do What You Can, which no one at the time, or it certainly wasn't planned for the album, obviously it was due yeah. to what's happened, the events that have happened. So we've heard, let's say, three songs out of 11, as, as far as we know. So what are your expectations for 2020? Uh, of the two, two or three songs that you've heard, uh, got you more excited than you already was? Are you kind of like, oh, I hope there's better on there? What what are your thoughts process so far on the two or three songs? I think it's going to be a really good album. I've heard um, obviously with this unbroken, um, do what you can. I think do what you can has been my favorite so far. Yeah. I've actually also heard uh, Lord of the Fly, and that's really good. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you did. Yeah, at the the yeah. show. Yeah, it, it's a very. Um, it's more of like an acoustic sound, you know, there's, there's no drums in it or anything. Um, and I think it's a really beautiful song. Uh, and then that pretty good, beautiful drug, I think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I like the sound of that. So, but the ones that have been released, Unbroken, I loved. You know, obviously that was more to be for to be of service yeah. for uh, the Netflix documentary. I thought it was great, though. You know, it was perfect. You know, Limitless, I know a lot of people are kind of spectacle on that. I know it's not... it's not a fan favorite. I personally 
really like it. The only thing that I wish it had, I wish it had a little more oomph to yeah. it and a little more, I wish it had a guitar solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then with this new one, Do What You Can, it's, I think it's the best one lyrically. And um, I, I, just, I love it, you know, because it's something we're all experiencing right now with this virus. You know, so the lyrics really ring true to a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of my favorite lyrics on it are, um, let me see, I wrote a few that I really like. Um, they had to cancel graduation. It ain't fair to get the prom. I those are incredible lyrics. Yeah. Because that's, a lot of people with graduation right now aren't able to have, you know, people who work very hard to graduate high school or graduate college. You know, having a graduation is a a huge milestone, you know, it's a great celebration, and they're not able to have that, you know, or kids' first prom, you know, they're not able to go to the, go to the prom, you know, you only get one shot to go to the prom, well, some people, it's twice, but, but, you know, you still, you don't get that opportunity, and it's fun, you know, so, uh, and then, you know, another thing that I like, too, is kind of towards the end of the song, when uh, he says, so love yourself, love your family, Love your neighbor and your friend anytime we love a stranger and then so forth. You know, that lyric, that whole line, the whole segment of that part shows you how coming together in this world that we are becoming. I mean, look at you and I, for example. Yeah. You know, it ain't no secret we had quite a bit of a rivalry for a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, but this, this whole virus thing, you know, it brought you and I together, it's bringing others together, and it's just. You know, it, it right now is the time to come together and show peace and show kindness and you know. So, but, but what do you what do you think of the new album? Um, to be honest with you, similar to yourself, I was never I was never a fan of Unbroken because I remember waking up at four o'clock in the morning to listen. There's another <laughs> one. You know, I wouldn't wake up at four o'clock in the morning for anyone else. Um, I woke up at four o'clock because I think it's twelve o'clock for you, so it came out at midnight. Uh, yeah. And I put it on, I remember the intro really got me straight away. Um, and then the rest of the song, I was just a little bit like, a uh, bit, bit disappointed because of the intro. Limitless, I remember the 30 second trailer that we got like a day or two before. Yeah. And I was like, oh, where we go? Like it just did, I think it was the first, first verse that they gave us. And I was like, this this has got some like beat to it. And then as you, as you said yourself, like there was no, no oomph into like the, the chorus for me. And I think yeah. if, if it had if it had the same uh, oomph as the the faces, I think I'd love it a lot more or I'd like it a lot more. Uh, yeah. Do what you can. I I really really like. Um, and I'm 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 intrigued to hear the studio version of it because we've only got the live and obviously you know live not is never perfect really. Um, that's not just right. now. I'm just saying in general. You know, like you can tweak and. It's one take live, whereas I think in the studio, I think there's just going to be something special with that song. Um, yeah. You can tell John sat down and gave it a lot of thought, put a lot of passion into it, and I think do what you can, but I am really, really intrigued to, to hear the full Beautiful Drug, um, because it, it gave me almost like, you know, Temptation off the box set, almost like that type of vibe, I don't know why, a bit, bit rockier. I can see it, yeah. But like, kind of the way John's delivering the lyrics and the music, I don't know. I just I'm looking forward to that song. Um, but I wanna I wanna know a little bit more about Blow with the Flag if you if you can. You know, what did did John say anything about that song? Did he say he was playing it 
totally different to how it's going to be on the album so did he play it acoustically and say it's not going to be like that on the album or is it is it what did he say he didn't say how it was going to be on the album i i think he said it's more i think he did say that it wasn't going to have tico on um that song on the album or the keys from david i think it's just the him and the guitar wow um but it's a very sad song. If I remember correctly, it's more about like the school shootings here. I don't know how many school shootings you have in your country area, but here in the states, I mean, before this whole virus thing, school shootings were a huge thing for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of about that, and it's very sad. Um, it's it's definitely one. Certainly, the title as well alone just kind of draws you in a little bit. I think it's it's a it's a different title, song title. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, like John said, this is more of a, like like a, a social, social conscious album. You know, you know it's, it's not, not going to be like, like Slippery New Jersey. You know, it's, it's, it's a social, social conscious album. album. I, 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 think it's, I think it's really good to have one of those albums because there's so many issues going on and a lot of people can relate. You know, that's, that's what I really love most about this band is having songs that you can really relate to. You know, for, for example, when I was a kid, These Days album was probably my least favorite album because it was just so mature and dark and you know but as i got older and started to experience what life is really like i related that out to that album more you know like um these days or you know through a really harsh breakup you know it's hard it's hard letting you go yeah you know you, you relate to those songs so with 2020 i think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this album just like with do what you can yeah. and you know i really hope do what you can really does well on the charts oh yeah same me, me too uh, what i've always wanted to know is i've had two two guests on the podcast lately uh one of them was jason from the slippery when wet tribute band and yeah. the other one was angelo from collateral who you both you've seen both of them play on the runaway cruise i presume um and i'll be honest with you until i heard the stories and everything else from them i was always quite skeptical of the runaway cruisers but how they've made them sound i'm like it's just made it sound so much uh, not so much better because obviously as an experience i knew it was going to be great if, if i went there but it's just kind of made it just seem a little bit different to what i've always imagined let's say um so i want to know your opinion and your thoughts and your own experience of the runaway cruise not even just the runaway shows just the, the, the runaway cruise Okay. Um, like I said in the beginning of this, I've been to 52 Bon Jovi events, whether it was John Soto or Bon Jovi Live or John and the KOS, blah, blah, blah. The Runaway Cruise was the best Bon Jovi event I've ever been to. Best time I've ever seen John. You know, before I get to the shows, the cruise itself was just incredible because it was a, a four-day cruise. And you were on the ship with 95% other diehard fans. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, you know, I, I have a lot of Bon Jovi friends, but I made so much more on that ship. And uh, it was just, it's, re it's really nice because when you go to concerts, for example, you, um, you may sit by someone who only knows Living on a Prayer and you give them a bad name. They don't know all the other songs. But on this ship, or even Runaway Tour itself, 
you know, you, you meet other fans that know like the box set, who know outtakes from this song, or knows what happened on this tour, or know what happened at this show, or you know, they know more than just the surface of Bon Jovi. And so it, it was nice. You know, they had, you know, as you already know, they had all a lot of his memorabilia. Up, you know, all the coats he had worn through the tours, guitars he had played, record, his own personal records. Um, so that was pretty cool. You know, they, one of my favorite things to see was his U571 outfit he wore for the movie. Um, the shows were really cool because there was always something to do. And like myself, there were a lot of night owls. So they had shows at like 2 in the morning. You know, they, they had collateral play, they had Tempt, they had Betsy Gold. They had Slippery When Wet, and Slippery When Wet is, they were amazing. I didn't think they were good, because I watched videos prior to the cruise. And so they, they sound pretty good. My personal favorite tribute band is Keep the Faith. They're my favorite tribute band. But uh, I saw Slippery on the uh, cruise, and I thought, wow. They are, so I went to two or three of their shows, and just, you know, Jason puts on a really good, you know, he puts on a really good persona. The band is good, and I was really happy when they did um, "Edge of a Broken Heart." Yeah, yeah. Because you and I both know they will never, yeah. they will never ever <laughs> that live. We'll never see that day come. So it was kind of cool to at least see a band be able to play it and sing back the lyrics, um, and then you know the actual, the two actual Bon Jovi shows that happened on the cruise. The first night was a. Uh, Q&A and uh, acoustic set. Both nights, I waited like 12 hours to be front row because it was like general admission. So first come, first serve. So both days, my friends and I, we camped out in front of the stage to be front row. And uh, so we had a great view. And uh, the first night, it was. It, it's really nice to be able to see songs that you never ever get to see on the tour, like Joey and yeah. um, I Will Drive You Home, Color Me In. Uh, he did It's My Life, the This Life Feels Right version, yeah. you know, same with Bad Name and Prayer. And, and you know, it, it's nice to see him answer questions. You, you kind of get a different experience learning about John in a different way than you would on the tour. Um, and then the second night was really, really cool. He played with the K KOS, his side band. And they opened up with We Got It Going On. I don't know if you're a fan of that song. And uh, I thought, I thought, I loved it as an opener. I know yeah. a lot of people don't, but I thought it was, it was something to get, because I put it like at the beginning of my playlist when I'm working out. So it was kind of a cool song to get pumped up with. And, and uh, you know, both shows were incredible. I, I, like, even though We Got It Going On, it's not one of my favorites, I'd be intrigued to hear it open the show because it's so upbeat. Um, I think I got it at Dublin night two, the tour just gone, and it, it don't get me wrong, it wasn't a song that come away going, I wish I never got that, it was actually one that I welcomed into the set list, because it, it is, it's, it, it, it does get the crowd going, it's an upbeat song, it's a fun, yeah. certainly stadium song as well, um, it's, I, you know, it's not a song I dislike, it's just, I, I'd love to, I, I would like to see it open a show, I think it would be a good opener. Yeah. Um, you know, with We Got It Going On, I remember when it first came out with the Lost Highway album, and the day that I bought the album, I listened to that, it had Big and Rich on it, Yeah. and, and I, I'm not a big country fan, and so when I heard that for the first time, I was like, I don't know about this song, you know, it was kind of too, too honky-tonk yeah. type song, yeah. 
But when I saw it live on the Lost Highway tour with just the band doing it, I was like, oh yeah, I loved it because John would come behind, and he's done it every tour since. He comes behind the stage and, and sings it, and and um, it, it's just one of those songs that really pumps you up and gets you going. And... I, I, I'm interested to know what, what goes on apart from the shows as well. So what else is there to do on on the cruise, what else did you get up to? You know, as you said, there's quite a lot of John Bon Jovi merchandise or uh, personal items that are on there. Uh, and I've seen, like, there seems to be, like, a lot of, uh, almost, like, cups and posters and everything you can get. Like, are they available to buy, or do you get them as part of, like, a, a, a being there type of gift thing? Uh, they had the merch store open. Um, it was a very small merch store, so they didn't have much. Unfortunately, you know, as guys, we're very limited on what we can buy, you know, <laughs> on the online store and stuff. Um, but on the cruise, they had like four female shirts and then they had one unisex shirt and then a, a hoodie. And so obviously I bought the hoodie and I bought the unisex shirt. There was also they had like little um, little bottles or not little bottles, like little cups. Yeah. So I bought the complete set of those. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. Though. They had his heart and dagger clothing line. I don't think it sold very well because the prices were just yeah. absurd. Yeah. Um, but we did get an autograph and a blanket with our, um, when we went to our rooms, they had the autograph, which I have an autograph up there. Ah, uh, yeah. On the, on the top. Let me see if I can flip it. So, you know, signed by John and, you know, all the bands that played. Um, but, so yeah, so we got that with our stuff. But, yeah, there was, I, I was kind of hoping for a lot more merchandise because it was, uh, you know, John's never going to do another cruise oh, again. Yeah. And I, and I knew that. And so, I, like, I really wanted to get as much merch as, because I love collecting. Um, so, and then they also had, like, um, throughout the cruise, they had, like, two machines where you can make your own little souvenir pennies yeah you know what I'm talking yeah yeah uh I got those made and uh yeah and you know like little trinkets like like napkins and stuff like little things you could just grab and keep but you know everything was Bon Jovi themed on the cruise you know like even in the buffet they'd have like watermelons they'd have like watermelons cut out saying John Bon Jovi or I think they had like a lyric like wanted dead or alive posted you know, like they would like have like different lyrics throughout the ship as well. You know, so I don't know. It was kind of cool because like you, you just saw it's like the elevator doors had elevator stickers, uh, pictures of John or you know. So it, it was just nice to be on a Bon Jovi themed cruise for yeah. four days with other diehards. Uh, uh, the one thing that obviously that's put myself and a lot of people off ever doing them is just the cost of it. Um, as you know, I'm I'm self-employed, so the idea of forking out a couple of grand for 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 one show it seems to me is just a bit wow. But then as uh, when I listen to yourself, uh, Angelo, Jason speak about the cruise, it sounds worth it. Is it worth it? You being there, you know, would you say it's worth every penny that you spend? No, you know when I when these runaway tours first started out in 2010 i was in i was in high school and i saw the price like oh my gosh you know that's crazy and like i remember the first i don't know if you know this 
the first, well, you probably do, the first runaway, the first five runaway trips that happened in 2010, 2011, where you, you got to watch Soundcheck, yeah. and then you got a group photo with John. So there'd be like 15, 20 people per photo. Yeah. And then as time went on, it would go down to 10 people and five people. And now, thankfully, it's three or four people. But I always looked at the price and thought, you know, that's, that's a crazy amount of money and blah, blah, blah. And then when I went to my first runaway trip in 2013, and I've done several, I, 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 I stand by, by it now, is it's worth every penny. It really is yeah. because it, you, you got to, like here, you know, trips are around $2,000. You got to factor in hotels. Hotel stays nowadays are around four or $500. Yeah. And then you're able to see a, a John in an intimate setting, you know, where there's only, you know, 200 other people sitting there watching the show. Uh, you get to see songs that never get played. You know, nobody else has access to these shows. You know, you get an autograph. You, you know, you get access to parties. You know, I, I think it's worth every penny. And the cruise was actually cheaper than the runaway, runaway trips. Uh, I, think I think, yeah, I think my roommates and I, we only spent like $1,600 each. Yeah. You know, and then there was also cheaper rooms too. Like there were rooms like going for like 900 yeah. per person or whatever. But it's, it's worth every penny because I've made so many friends from these trips. And like I said, at these, at these shows that John does, they're very intimate. They're very, you see John in a different view than you do on tour and stuff. You know, you get to see Mantra Questions play songs that you never will ever get to see anywhere else. So I think it's worth it. I really do. Even though... You know, and then being able to get a photo with him. Yeah. You know... That's, you know, a lot of people complain that it's, you know, five seconds. You know, I've always been lucky where I've got a little, you know, few extra, a little bit extra time. But you got to think, if, if, if you have 200 people and you expect to get something signed, you expect to tell them a story, you want to talk to them for a couple you got to imagine how much time that's going to take. You know, so you, ha you have to be realistic and think, okay, well, a photo op is the most reasonable thing. You know, go up, say hi, shake his hand, give him a hug, get a photo, say goodbye, and next person, you know. And these photo ops, they usually run about an hour to two hours just doing a photo op. Can you imagine how long it would take to do a meet and greet? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to I'd like to know you like some of your experiences when meeting John then. So how many times have you met John? Through runway tours I've met him to twice, twice. So, so and sorry. Go ahead. So I was just going to say that is as I've both times been a different experience for you when you when you have met him. Yeah, he's always been very kind. I've met him a couple times too outside, you know, officially. You know, like I met him one time after a Hillary Clinton show, oh, yeah. and he was because he was doing like a. When Hillary Clinton was running for president, he was doing campaigning for her. And I got to, you know, I met him a little bit after the show. But, you know, with the runaway tours, he was he's very humble, very kind. You know, and he just makes you feel welcome. You know, like, a lot of people get, they get blown up with nerves and stuff and thinking. Because how would you feel 
when you look up to John all these years, and then you meet him and he's a complete jerk. Yeah, yeah. You know, that would ruin your entire fan experience. You know, I don't think I could ever be a fan afterwards. You know, but thankfully, you know, John was very kind, very nice, and I enjoyed it. You know, my photos turned out well. You know, because there's other bands out there where I've talked with friends. Like, my one friend, he's a huge uh, Nickelback fan. Oh, yeah. And he always thought that. What's what's the least singer's name? Chad Kroger, Chad Kroger I think. yeah. And this is just his speculation. I'm not saying that he's actually like this, but my friend got to meet him one time. He was at a bar or something, and he approached uh, Chad Kroger. You know, maybe he was eating or doing something. I don't know. You know, there's always a right time and a, a wrong time to approach someone. And I guess he was very ignorant to my friend, and that ruins my whole yeah. friend's fan experience. You know, he, he's not into Nickelback anymore. So, you know, so the first time I met John back in 2013, I was always nervous that this could make or break me being a fan. But he was very kind, and it was great. Uh, it's a good point that you've made, because similar to yourself, I know people who've met him at these events, of, uh, I know people who've met him outside this hotel, I know people who've met him at TV shows, and obviously everyone's not in a good mood every time. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've met some football players, you know, I'm a massive Liverpool fan, and I remember waiting outside like the training ground when I was 10, 11 years of age, um, and the, some of them would just either drive past without signing a thing, you know, I was the only one there, they just drive past, or it would literally be, you know, hand out the window, sign it, and drive off. No, no communication. And I never looked at that same football player in the same way because you think, oh, you know, we could have said hi or a hello would have been enough, like the others did. I've always been a bit dubious because, uh, as you said, you know, you don't want it to have an effect on um, you being a fan if if they're in a bad mood or anything like that. So. What I want to ask is, you've met him a, a few times now, what if, say, the next time you did meet him, he just come across a little bit short or anything like that? Would that change your opinion now? Obviously, you were saying back then in 2013, if you met him for the first time, it could make or break. How would that reflect on you now, obviously, meeting him a few times? I don't know. I think I said I've met almost every band member now except Tiva. Tiva's the last one, and Hugh is on my list. Um, I've had good experiences with everyone um you know and like you said too you know they're sometimes they're all in bad moods you know you got to think in their point of view we're another fan yeah, yeah. and in our point of view we're huge diehard fans yeah with a big you know, fan. every, everything to us little to them but you got to think when they're on their own time when they're off whether they're in a hotel room in a gym there's a wrong time and a right time to approach them. You know, like like I said, if if you go to a restaurant, for example, a few years ago, I I finally got to meet David Bryan for the first time this year. After 20 years, I've always wanted to meet him, and I finally got to. But I almost had the opportunity back. I think the 2011 tour. He was at at a restaurant nearby the hotel. It was an off day, and uh, we knew that he was in the the restaurant, and Obviously, it's not the right time to approach them when they're eating, and so he was in there for a few hours. So we we just we just, we didn't stick around, but that's that's my example of saying that's the wrong time yeah. to approach them. If you approach them while they're eating, I doubt they're going to be friendly, and yeah. you don't want that as an experience, you know. But if you see them on the street 
or you know that's the right time to approach them. You, you do it with sincerity. Like, um, like I met David Bryan on the streets a few, a, a month ago, and I saw him on the street, and I just approached him, and I was very sincere. I told him how huge of a fan I was, and it was the greatest experience. He was very kind. You know, if, if you approach him, think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you're David Bryan, and, you know, like flip out about it, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to push them away, yeah. you know? You just got you got to be down to earth and sincere, um, you know, so like, like, like I'm trying to prove a point here. There's a right time and a wrong time. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you want to do it when, when the time is right. Yeah, it, it's a, it's another good point that you made because similar to what you just said about David Bryan, where he was eating in June when they were in the UK, they were in my hometown of Liverpool, um, and I spent the day. I, I took the day off work, and I spent the day around like Matthew Street, which is where the Beatles are kind of famous, basically in Liverpool, and. I thought that's where some of the band may go. And within a couple of minutes of being there, um, Shanks and Obi came round the corner and they were very nice and that. And obviously to me, Shanks is, is just a part of the band there. So I, I don't suffer with nerves with, with anything really. So I wasn't nervous about meeting anyone. But then we kind of waited around all day and no one was around. And then we seen on Instagram, David Bryan was in a, a restaurant, literally a minute walk away. <laughs> So we were like, right, what do we do? Do we wait outside the restaurants and that could be come across as wrong? Or do we head to the restaurants, maybe grab a drink, and if he's there, we'll we'll approach after he's finished. So yeah. anyway, we, we got there, we got a drink, and then the bar tender said, David Bryan's over there. He was like, I'll get him to come over to you at the end. So we were like, oh, fair enough, that's nice, yeah. Soon as David Bryan finished his food, was walking towards us, got a photo with all of us and made our day. And you just think, you know what, it's worth waiting around. Rather than, as you said, being ignorant and walking up while they're eating, wait till they're finished. And then they might come up to you or you can instantly, you know, hopefully get a photo. And it made our day. We waited around 10 hours, whatever it was, for a, a 10 second photo and a little gap. And our day was made. And that's all it takes. Yeah. You know, I was going to say something. Uh, it slipped my mind. Um, yeah, you know, you, you got to think of how busy their schedules are too. Yeah, you know, they're doing the same thing every day: traveling, ho hotel, business calls, you know, going to sound check, doing the show, doing the same thing over again. You know, so you know, I'm, there's times that they're irritable, you know, and um, yeah, that's kind of where I kind of where I, I had another point, but I I, I lost it. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you. Recently, you've been putting song. Thing, like little polls out on your Twitter. Oh, yeah. I want to get your opinion on them because I seen today Superman Tonight has been on there for how many songs now? It's, I it's, wish it it's kind been of been a <laughs> It's not. And the, the polls are a lot of fun. Yeah. When I first started doing it, I just figured it'd be something fun to do, and I didn't think it was going to do as well as it, as it's doing because it, it brings a lot it brings a lot of discussions, and I've had I've actually made a few good new friends from doing it. And it's kind of interesting to see a lot of people's outtakes or how this song affects them or, you know, or like like you and I were talking about this morning, how much more we like We Weren't Born to Follow or Superman Tonight Acoustic. Yeah. You know, so it, it brings out a lot of good discussions. And it's kind of interesting when, when, this is, when I get done with the What About Now album, Burn Bridges, This House, and so on, after that, I'm going to redo... I'm gonna go back again 
and not do any hits. I'm yeah. gonna do strictly that deep tracks on each album. Yeah. But because the the hits are are winning, I was kind of hoping it'd be more like deeper tracks winning, but it's not. Like yeah. Superman, like Superman Tonight beat pretty much all of the Circle album, beat the four songs of greatest hits, and as of an hour ago, it was beaten because we can, which I. I thought it was kind of ironic, and because I always thought because we can was like a fan favorite, and reading a lot of replies to it this morning, I guess it's not. <laughs> well, it's, it's mad because I'm such a massive fan of Superman Tonight, but I can't wait till something beats it, because <laughs> I just want to see a different song, like two different songs, and I, as I said, mm. Superman Tonight is probably in me, since, you know, like post-2000, probably in my top ten songs. But yeah. I was kind of, I seen it when I voted this morning, because we can was winning. I was like, part of me wants it to win. <laughs> I don't know why. I just want to see what comes up next. I want to see what songs are going to compete against each other. Yeah. You know, there's been three songs. You know, when, when I get to the end of this house, see, I played it smartly. And by the time I was going to get done with this house and not for sale album, I was going to go into the 2020 album. Now that being delayed, that's not going to happen. But after this house album, I have like 20 songs that just were doing so good. And um, those songs are going to go up against each other. Like, for example, Runaway won up until Wanted Dead or Alive. So it'd be the debut of the 7800 album and part of Slippery. And so it's going to go like Runaway up against Prayer, Prayer up against wanted and i think the next big song that kept winning over and over and over was bad medicine so those would be kind of interesting to see yeah but there, there there's been three songs that i had to retire because it was just gonna win every single time and that was runaway and prayer and uh it's my life yeah no no surprise really yeah i, I figured with prayer every, everyone was just gonna keep voting for it every day and, yeah so so I think with Superman, I'm going to decide tomorrow, but I think um, Superman tonight, I might retire and just kind of leave it for the final rounds. Because tomorrow we have I'm With You, and then What About Now? So I, I, I'd kind of like to put those two songs yeah. up against them. Yeah, that'd you know, be good. Yeah, because then it goes to Pictures of You, and then Amen. I, that one's going to be interesting to see what people think of that one. Yeah. You know, then Water, What's Left of Me, and blah, blah, blah. So... I wanna, I wanna know as to being any, obviously, as I said, no, it's no shock that the likes of Prayer and Wanted and, and so on done well. As to being any that surprised you that they won against another song? No, I mean, like, there's been a few that kind of shocked me. Like today, for example, I thought because we can was just gonna topple Superman tonight, but it surprised me that Superman tonight is winning. <laughs> Um, but you know, me me personally, I I don't ever really listen to the hits. Yeah. I, if I do, it's live. You know, like if I'm working out, I'll play some hits, but they're always like a live version of it. You know, I'm not saying I don't like the hits. I do. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that I love the deeper tracks. Yeah. You know, with, yeah. yeah. Same. Um, you know, I wanna I wanna speak about Jersey for Jersey. Um, because it's it's no uh, it's it's no uh, it's no shock or whatever that I've I've obviously 
posted about John's vocals in the past. And me and you were speaking, what, 10 minutes after Jersey for Jersey, I think. Um, yeah. And you asked me about Prey. And to me, you know, again, as I said to you before, not many live, not many live performances are perfect. Um, but I, I thought that was such a good effort. Um, I, I felt that his range looked the best or sounded the best it has since possibly even 2013 for me like that it that's how much that that performance surprised me um so i want to get your thoughts on first of all the jersey for jersey two songs that john performed i want to i want to know your opinion on how you felt they come across uh jersey for jersey i thought was really great i was kind of really excited to be able to see that um i was kind of glad that we finally got to see the whole do what you can and learn the, the full lyrics because i remember I posted the lyrics, and I saw that you posted the lyrics, too. And it was kind of nice just to be able to sit there and read the lyrics and stuff and relate to it. And, you know, like we discussed earlier in the podcast, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a hit song. And then with Prayer, I was blown away, especially that, that beginning, because he kind of starts away from the microphone and just screaming, like, not screaming, but, like, you know, singing with passion. And then he approaches the... Um, Mike and does it acoustically. I thought, wow, that's that's amazing. It and was, so. it, it, it was it was the start that got me. I was like, wow, he's he's literally ten yards or whatever away from the microphone. I was like, you know, was, that instantly made me think, wow, his range seems pretty good here. But it was it was just the rest of the song. As I said, it wasn't perfect. I'm not going to say it was perfect, but it was just something that made me go, yeah, like. Maybe this long rest has, has done him good because when was the last show? October. The last this house and office sales show was it October something like that. Yeah. You know, it's been six months where he hasn't really done much. You know, in terms of live shows, there hasn't been nothing major. And I thought maybe this is this has done him the world of good because I said it wasn't perfect. It's not. It's not 2008, 2011 standard just yet, but I felt there was a hint of at least 2013 vocals back there where it just made me go, that that was impressive. And it's been a while since I've listened to a live performance, certainly on TV, that I've replayed two or three times. And I've listened to that a few times over the weekend already, just because it was, it, it's the passion and the, the effort that he tried. And as I said, the range for me yeah. was just a bit like, yeah, this is this was a good a good sign. You know, me personally, I never am critical on how he sounds. I don't mean to sound like a kiss ass or anything like that, or I'm not saying this because I'm just a huge fan, but I always thought John sounds incredible. You know, obviously, you know, vocal cords are the size of your thumb. Yeah, yeah. That's how you know, and you've got to realize when he was a lot younger you know, with the Slippery Tour, then the New Jersey Tour, and then touring after that, all these tours, you know, that that hits your vocal cords eventually, you know? And as you get older, your body changes, and as well as your vocal cords. You look at other artists like Paul Stanley from Kiss, or Vince Neil from Motley Crue, or Brett Michaels from Poison, all great singers, and they still are. But as you get older, your vocal cords, they tighten. Um, and a lot of a lot of vocalists have that issue. Yeah. 
and it's no, it's no secret that John does too. But you know, being able to see John give his all at every show—that's what matters to me. Not it doesn't mean to sound like he did in the eighties. I still think he sounds incredible. He still gives it his all, especially when you see him play songs like "Always" or "Dry County." You know, "Always" is a perfect example. You know, when "Always" came out in '94. You know, John had that high vocal range. And that's a tough song to sing, just like Living on Prayer. You know, and John just, you know, these days tour, the Crush tour, sounded amazing. And time to go on there, he'd gone older, and the vocal cord, I think it would have been tight. That's just the way it is. And to be able to see John still sing that song and give it his all, you know, for example, I think it was Wembley or. Oh, it was in Toronto, 2017. You, you've seen that, yeah. that one where he did always. Yeah. He did like, his all in that. You know, at the end there, he kind of just like back, he, he puts his hands up like this and just kind of knows he, that's it. And it was still amazing, you know? So that's all I ever expected, just to see him give his all. And I think that's what gives the passion, gives the song some passion, you know? Well, as I said, you know, when I went to the, the shows in the UK, um, I did that, I went in with no expectation because in 2017 and 2018 I was just a bit like, I don't know, there was no not much change in the set list um, or for me, you know, there wasn't much change and I liked them to mix it up and then almost like, as I say, you know, there was a couple of pro shots that come out and it just, it felt like it took something away from me, I don't know what it was but then being there is a completely different story as I said, Dublin night one I was like, I went in, honestly, when I say I went in with no expectation, I was almost to the point, and I, I, looking back, it's it's the wrong attitude to have, but looking back, I was like, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm scared in case I don't want to go to the other three shows that I paid for, just yeah. in case, that, that was just my mindset. Dublin Night 1 was fantastic, <laughs> Dublin Night 2, he hit another level, and I was mm -hmm. just like, right, that's it, you know. Uh, and, and and ever since then, you know, don't get me wrong. If if I feel there's something, you know, that I need to say, I I, I will say. But it's made me think. You know what? Until I am there, vocals is gonna be something that I'm gonna try and take a step back on because you know yourself. I've always I've always said what I thought on Twitter, and be in June, I was just like, nah, that like I can't even I can't even. It wasn't that I couldn't tell that if he was sounding off key or anything. I didn't care because the effort that he put in, the passion that he put in, the energy was just yeah. like I hadn't seen John for a long, long time. Like he was running around that stage like he did in two thousand three, two thousand six, and he, you know, he's he's fifteen mm -hmm. years older than that, and he was yeah. still bombing up and down. And I thought, you know what? And then I got always at Wembley, and that's my all-time favorite song, always. And like you said yourself, it's such a tough song to sing. We've got some of the best video footage. I know you're similar to myself. The Live in London one is my favourite yeah. performance ever, ever. Yeah. I can listen to it all day. And obviously, you know, I wanted it. I wanted it at Wembley, but I was a bit dubious about it. At the time being there, flawless. Like, it was just incredible. And it's, it's, honestly, since then, it's just made me go. It's made me take a step back and just think, you know what? Similar to what you said at the start, we haven't got long left with the band. Who knows what could happen today? Let alone five yeah. years. What we're saying, you know, you only have to look what's happening now. 
I've just got to appreciate what we have still got because in the next couple of years, I pro we potentially might never see them again. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I want to alliterate a little bit on when we were talking about having energy and passion on the, on the stage, I wanted to compare him to Vince Neil of Motley Crue. I don't know if you've ever seen Motley Crue live or... Or, or Kiss and Paul Stanley's pretty good still, but Vince Neil is a perfect example of this. It, you know, he was great when he was younger, but now he sounds like just terrible. And it, you can tell he goes on stage and he sings these songs terrible and he doesn't try. He, he just stands there. You, you know, he's there earning a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. If you have John, who's near the same age, on the, on the stage and give him passion, give him the energy and... Uh, and like I said, I think he's, he sounds incredible. You know, and, and like you said at the end, we have to be thankful that we're still able to see our favorite band because there is going to come a time that we're not going to be able to. You know, we're both 27 years old. Yeah. Now, I worry, you know, in 10, 15 years, what band, you know, I'm not going to have a band anymore to kind of, you know, follow. Or, you know, it's just going to be kind of memories and history at that point you know as we said you know before we even went on air you was asking about you know what's around on my walls and obviously i yeah. said i'm a massive boxing fan but then on this side you know it was kind of i just call it my bon jovi shelf you know it's just got books and and things like that but apart from them too there's nobody else that's up in my room i've got some bon jovi photos on this side as well but there's nobody else up that's in my room because they're my two passions and as i said you know there's no feeling like a Bon Jovi show for me. Even the build-up, just waiting for them to come on stage. The minute that white mic stand goes up, the minute they take the, the you know, like the cloth or whatever it is that off uh, Tico's yeah. drum kit, little things like that, you just go, yeah, like it's nearly time. And I don't get that yeah. with anyone else. I just go, uh, it's half eight. They'll be on in a sec. I yeah. Don't, yeah. No like other me. band gets a buzz like that. Yeah, you know, if, if I go to a Bon Jovi show, I'm usually there the day before or the morning of, and I just wait till show up because you don't want anything to go wrong, whether it's car trouble or, or yeah. whatever. You know, if it's another band that I go see, I'd probably, I'd probably drive a few hours and I'd probably get there like 10 minutes before the show starts, you know, because yeah. you just, you don't care. You exactly, know? yeah. But when it's Bon Jovi, you, know, you, you love the build up and stuff. And, you know, whenever the last tour happens, I am going to be at that last show, and it, it is going to be a very heart wrenching show. Yeah. You know, knowing that this is the, this is it. You know, and I, I think this is going to be a long time from now, hopefully. You know, but it's going to be a very heart wrenching show. You know, know that this is the last time you're going to see your favorite band open, yeah. and the last time you're going to see this song live, or you know. I, you know, like I think prayer would be the very last one they'll, they'll perform. Well, um, you right. just took a question out of. I was just about to say, what are the chances of never say goodbye and then the show? That's true. It'd be acoustic, obviously. Yeah. But you know, I, I do see him doing something. You know, I was when I was younger, I was thought maybe always would be the last song, but that you know, doing that every night, that he couldn't do it. Yeah. But I, I do see Never Say Goodbye or, you know, I just I think the last show is going to be very heart-wrenching now. But I do, it's either going to be prayer or something like Never Say Goodbye or, you know, or I'll be there for you as a final song. But we'll see. You know, that's years from now. Uh, hopefully. I want to ask, I want to ask as well, um, 
kind of more so we'll go on to the topic of it but more so the last show just because we're speaking about it you know if it was 5, 10, 15 years time from now do you think we'll get something similar to the Hall of Fame with Richie and Alec coming back Oh yeah, I, I, I was going to mention that earlier. Yeah, I really do. I think, at least with Richie, I don't think we're at. I don't. I think we're going to see Richie return. You know, I think if it's the mm-hmm. final tour, Richie's going to agree to come on board. And you know, obviously, you know how huge of a fan I am with Phil. Yeah. You know, Phil is actually my my favorite guitar player, and I love Phil and the band. Obviously, Phil is going to stay in. I really do. And so I think Phil and Richie are going to kind of share the stage as guitar players on the last show. And I think I see Richie going to Europe and Australia and all the other countries, too. As far as Alec goes, you saw it on the Hall of Fame. You know, he's, he's walking on. He's, he has health problems. Yeah. And uh, he only played Living Our Prayer at the Rock Hall for, you know, whatever reason we don't know. So I only see Alec, I do see Alec come into a few shows, like maybe New Jersey show or New York, you know, but I don't see him going overseas like I see Richie. Yeah. But I, I do see Alec probably coming on, and I, and I hope, you know, I really do. It'd be, it'd be nice to have Alec and Hugh on the stage, you know. Obviously, you can't overdo it on the bass, but, you know, I'm sure they figure something out, you know, or just have Alec come in for a few songs, you know. Yeah, it's 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 always interested me, not because I want it to happen, but what's going to happen on the last show? Is it going to be as as we've just said? Is it going to be similar to the Hall of Fame with it all on there? Is it going to be uh, five or ten songs with John Ritchie, whatever, and then John Shanks, Phil? Do you know what I mean? Is it going to be split up into little bits, kind of similar to how the um, Hall of Fame was in some ways where it was, you know, Phil X done a, a guitar solo on this song, Richie harmonised with John and when we were us, Alec came on for prayer. Is it going to be something like that where, you know, they're just on and off, on and off, or is it going to be full band for the full two and a half hours or whatever? It's You know, I, I, I think it's smarter to kind of do a half and half. You know, I think with Richie, Phil trading stuff off would be good. But like I said, I think with Richie at least, I think he'd be on the full tour. I really do, because Richie's been there for 30 plus years, 30 years, and so he has a lot more to the band than, say, Alec, who's only been there for 10 years. Yeah. You know, but I see Richie and Phil on the on the stage the entire show. Yeah. As far as Alec goes, like I said, you can't really overdo it on bass, but I can see Alec coming on for a few shows, at least the last show. Yeah. And coming on to do prayer or want it or. Some of the songs that he did original bass for, you know. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know. Obviously, you don't want to overdo it. Like, to be honest with you, you know, I don't know about having Shanks up there or, you know, other side play, you know. It'd be, it'd be nice to kind of just have the band, yeah. you know, including yeah. Phil and Alec. Well, that's always what I've thought, and that's another thing. Would, would Shanks be in there now? Would that mean getting Bobby back because he was there for ten years? You know, similar to Alec. You know, would that mean Lorenza comes back because she was on there for a full tour and has yeah. carried on with John? It's it's just mad how you don't actually realise till you think about it how many people have been on that stage with Bon Jovi. Um, 
Matt O'Ree and yeah. Jeff Z. Yeah. yeah. It's it's madly. Yeah, you know, I, I think those players, you know, since they're not and and I love them all. I think they're all great players and you know, they're they're not essential to the band. Like like Tico and David and yeah. Phil, Ripsy and John, you know, but they're great players and I'm glad that I had seen them with the band. So I, I, I can see them coming on for a show here or there, you know, as a guest, you know, because I think the, the final tour is going to be like a a thank you tour to yeah. the fans, to the people that has joined them on stage. You know, I think it's, it's going to be a huge celebratory tour, yeah. you know, just to, because, you, you like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's not going to be the first farewell. Tour. Right? It's going to be the first farewell tour, but it's going to be it's going to be the only farewell tour. You're not going to see a second or third oh. one like Kiss and Motley Crue does. Yeah. You know, John's one of those people where this is it, one time and that's it. And uh, I think this is going to be a huge celebratory event. I really do. I want to I want to know what your thoughts were when obviously you, you we heard that. I mean, I know it's going back nearly 10 years already, but I want to know what your thoughts were when Richie did say he wasn't coming on tour. Was was it a shock to you? Did you expect it? Um, did you think he'd be back at all? What What were your thoughts at that time? I knew it was coming. Um, you know, obviously, I, I, I kind of know a few key parts to it, but when I saw, and I love Richie, and I think he's a phenomenal guitar player, he's a phenomenal songwriter um, I love his solo stuff so you know I'm not speaking any ill will here yeah. but it's no secret that he has had problems since the last highway tour with losing his dad his divorce you know he was going to rehab before the last highway tour started yeah. before the album came out you know then in 2011 he had to step out and in 2013 um, that first leg of the tour the North American tour there was, I think, what, 26 shows or something. I went to six or seven shows. And perfect example is I went to the Pittsburgh show, say, Saturday night. Then the very next night, I went to the State College show. So I, I saw two shows back to back. And the Pittsburgh show was the first show that I went to. And Richie was incredible. Like, he was on fire, vocal-wise, guitar-wise. He was amazing. And then the next night at State College, he was bad. Like you could tell he was, like I was up close, and you could just tell that he was not rigid. And I remember a few times the lights would go out, and if you were close to the stage, you can kind of see some things could go on between the band, which is pretty cool. And I remember seeing John getting so pissed off at Richie. Like he would like give him the stink guy. Or I remember one time John was like, "What are you doing?" And uh, there was a guitar solo from, I'm trying to remember the song, I think it was Lay Your Hands On Me, where Richie screwed it up. And, you know, so long story short, Richie wasn't Richie. And then there was other shows after that that I saw that he was good, then shows that it was bad. But, so when they did that three-week break in between the legs, and then they started, what was that, I think it was Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, Calgary it was. Calgary. And I remember I was on Twitter, and I remember a lot of people saying, oh, my gosh, Richie, where are you, blah, blah, blah. I thought maybe he went to rehab or something. And it was no surprise that he wasn't there. I knew something was going on. And 
at the time I was so concerned, you know, I was very worried about him. And I don't think he sent a, he didn't say anything for two or three weeks. And then John wouldn't say anything. So you're kind of wondering what happened with Richie and stuff. And, you know, there's more to the story of what happened. You know, and that's not John's place to say, but obviously a lot more information has come out in the last couple of years. You know, but maybe part of it is the truth where he just couldn't get himself out the, out the door anymore and go on these tours. And, you know, because you got to imagine how excruciating it can be to go to other countries and different time zones and always being away for things, you know? So, so but I was happy to see Phil Axe come in and fill out the rest of the tour because I still had like five other shows to go see, and uh, that's when I had so much more respect for Phil. Yeah, because Phil adds his own rendition, his own creativity, and, and so on. Well, in regards to the Richie thing, I remember waking up again, kind of. I don't know. I think I might have still been in in sixth form or something back then, which is like after school for us. Um, and I remember waking up and seeing that he had gone and similar to yourself I kind of wondered was it rehab uh, had he just had enough it's interesting to hear that you were at a couple of shows before he decided to stop for whatever reason I want to know with you saying that you know you could see John saying you know like what was happening there or whatever else do you think it was just a combination of everything that had happened over let's say the past six or seven years because you know even in as we said 2006 you know his dad died he broke his arm on tour he was popping painkillers he piled on the weight and then it yep. kind of from then it kind of just spiraled and then it, it almost seemed like he'd be on a high and then go down and as you've just said at one show he was phenomenal then the second show he, he had a bad night and we all have bad nights but it happened regularly with Richie you know towards the end one part that always made me think these on on good terms in regards to John and Richie. They done a show in January 2013 to promote uh, the What About Now album in BBC Studios. Uh, John done an interview and the woman mentioned, the lady mentioned about Richie and he said, well, if you could be bothered to turn the TV off and not watch a football game, he'd be here doing rehearsals with us right now. And I remember going, ooh, like, what's yeah. going on here? And I remember when they performed, there was just no chemistry between them. It was weird. I was watching it live and I was going, something, something isn't right. And th this is before, yeah. you know, the, obviously we, we knew anything, but I was just looking at them. This is before the tour had even started. And yeah. I was like, something's not right here. And within two, three months, that's it. That's a, that, that was it then. And it, yeah. it, it's interesting that you've said that you've seen it within two days of, of shows. Yeah. You know, like I said, you know, Pittsburgh and State College was the perfect example because Pittsburgh, John and Richie, they were collaborating so well and having fun. You know, in Pittsburgh, you know, John was begging Richie jokingly with the band and Richie to play another song. And they were all having fun with each other. And then the very next night, you see Richie just not being Richie. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't the only fan that knew that because, you know, after shows and stuff, my Bon Jovi friends and I, we'd all get together for drinks or for dinner after the show. And we would, we talked about Richie extensively about what is going on. And so, like I said, you know, when Calgary happened, it was, it was no surprise. Yeah. There was a lot, and I think there's a lot going on, you know, as far as getting addicted to whatever he was addicted to, to 
not be, be from being away from his daughter and always being on tour. And he, you also got to imagine too when he was releasing Aftermath of the Lowdown, yeah. his third solo album. Yeah, that was right when What About Now was coming out. Yeah, and I think What About Now was rushed, and Richie didn't have enough time to really promote Aftermath and being able to do some shows and have fun with it. You know, he had to go right from that right to the tour, to the album and the tour. You know, that's just, you know, I, so I can understand where Richie was coming from there, but you know, I think Richie just had enough. I really do. But, but even on the Aftermath tour, uh, Richie, don't mm-hmm. forget as well, cancelled a lot of shows as well. I remember yep. I went to see him in London, in Shepherd's Bush, and on the coach coming home the next day, he'd cancelled this whole, this whole leg. And I was like, the fellow was like on top form yesterday. And I, yes. I remember literally, I just sat down on the coach to, to come home, and I looked and I was like, "What? Like, what? What's changed in twenty four hours?" Yeah, it's, it's, just, it, it's unbelievable. It, it really is. Um, but you know, in the last year or so, you know, even when he was doing RSO with Orianti, there were some interviews where he was great, and then you see other interviews where he was like. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's not Richie. Yeah, no, but, but I do, I have to admit, the last year with Richie, he has gotten, so he looks healthier, he oh, looks yeah. happier. Yeah. You know, you could tell that he's very genuine now. And I, I think that he's clean, yeah. like as far as from any addiction. And I think he's happy. I think he's just genuinely happy. And I'm looking forward to that next solo album. And like we were talking about with the final tour, I do see Richie coming back for the last tour. Yeah. You know, it's going to be great to be able to see Richie and John back together, and you know, it's going to be a huge moneymaker. It's it's interesting what you've just said about Richie seeming for the last year or so, you know, let's say healthier than than he has in a long, long time. And yeah. uh, one thing that struck me over the past year or so is there's no outside influence with him. So during the time of like the aftermath, you had that Nikki Lund, was it? She was kind yeah. of in the background with the whole clothing and like the whole, I don't know, there was just something not, not right there. Then obviously Arianthe and you know, we had the whole thing with Denise Richards and everything, whereas now he seems to be on his own. I read in an article the other day that he's living with Heather and Ava and whether he's just got that kind of, dad, he's back in dad zone, he's back in professional zone, you know, he, he knows he's got to release something substantial now to to kind of get back up there and get the respect back from, let's say, the Bon Jovi fans he has lost. You know, imagine, I'm sure there's a huge percent that have kind of give up on him, uh, which is sad, but it's just kind of life, unfortunately. But I think yeah. now he just seems so focused on his own solo album again, kind of like he did in 2012. I felt he, he seemed better than ever in 2012 uh, until, until after my show and I read that on the coach that he cancelled it all. But... He just seemed a lot healthier, and I think yeah. maybe we've kind of got a Richie who just kind of thinks, you know what, I'm back to basics, back to the studio. I think Bob Rock's doing the, the album with yeah. him. Maybe we might get the old Richie back as a solo artist. I, I think so. I, I think, you know, I can never be one of those fans that could write off Richie because he's he's done he's written so many of my favorite songs. And obviously, he's been there for 30 years. You know, in 2013, I was so mad at Richie. Yeah. Because of the way he left. It's okay if you don't want to tour. 
anymore. Yeah. But the way that he just didn't show up, you know, you don't do that to your yeah. team, to the fans, you know. But within the last two or three years, I've just I've come at peace with it. Yeah. You know, and I've been able to enjoy his solo albums more. You know, I, I am really looking forward to the new solo album too. You know, and I, I can't wait to go and support it. You know, buying the album. You know, going to hopefully see some solo shows and stuff. You know, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm just, I'm just happy to see where Richie is now because he's happy and he's healthy, and that's what matters the most to me. Yeah, definitely. And then the last thing that I wanna I wanna touch on before we go into the the more fun stuff, the games and the little yeah. questionnaires and that. I wanna obviously you said that you're a, a big Philex fan. You you really fan the Philex. So what's what's made you have that connection with Phil? What what's made you you know he, he said he's your favorite guitarist. What's what's kind of got that that connection for you? Well, in 2011, you know we knew that he was just temporary. Yeah. And I saw. Phil, I mean, I remember Phil did the first show with them for Jazz Fest. And that, that show was being live streamed. Mm. And I remember, oh, this, this guy, because I had a few more shows and I was kind of worried how the shows were going to be. I was like, this guy is really good. And then I saw them in Columbus like yeah. two weeks later. And I was just blown away. And, uh, you know, I didn't think I was ever going to see him again. And then I kind of like never really listened to him very much. I listened to a little bit of the drills, but. And then in 2013, he came along, and I saw, I think, five or six shows on that tour. And Bill has never wanted to try to replace Richie. Yeah. Now, the situation with Richie, it is what it is. But moving forward, they needed the guitarist. And Phil just adds his own style, his own creativity, his own rendition. For example, Keep the Faith. Keep the Faith was always, like, I've been to 52 shows, as I've said, and Keep the Faith was always one of those songs where I just, I like it, but I don't really care to see it live. It's just one of those things I just, you know, even the band jam session at the end was, was, was cool and all, but I just never really cared for it. And then when I saw Phil playing it on the 2011 tour, the 13 tour, and this house tour, I just, I love watching Keep the Faith now because Phil just adds his own, chemistry his own creativity to it and he's as you know he, he's a hell of a guitar player mm -hmm. you know and it, I don't know if you listen I saw before we recorded I saw that you had a signed uh, drill CD yeah and his drill stuff is amazing it really is and uh, he's just he's, he's so down to earth and he's genuine to the fans and I don't think you could have asked for a better I don't want to say a replacement because that's not what it is. Just a new addition to the band. Yeah. You know, he's great. You know, he's happy to be in the band. And he's just, he just has a good time, you know? Well, I kind of got my, my connection with Phil in June, just gone, because um, in London, just before the Wembley show, the night before the, the Wembley show, he played uh, one of his guitar conventions up in Camden, which is like a little yeah. place in London. And... Um, I was like second row and it, there must have been 100 people there, it was really intimate and he was just there for say an hour or so just playing playing his guitar, telling us stories and it, it brought out a different side of how I feel towards Phil because he just seems so 
he looked knackered, he said he was tired, but if he still had that energy to put yeah. on what he could, you know, while he was there, he still put on a you know a good show. He didn't play any Bon Jovi, I don't think. He maybe played like the prayer solo or something, but he, did, he didn't yeah, do Bon Jovi. He's doing solo stuff, he doesn't. He doesn't, like yeah, but, that, but that's kind of what I appreciated because, some, like, in my head, I was going, well, tomorrow I'm going to see him play the Bon Jovi stuff, so I don't need yeah. to see him play it here. And it just brought a bit of respect for me because he was just like, nah, I don't want to play it. You know, like, I'm not here to play the Bon Jovi stuff, I'm here to play requests or any drill stuff you want to hear and then yeah. straight after it I was the first first person to get a photo with him and similar to what you said about John where there's a hundred people or so he's got a short time it was like nine ten o'clock at night he's got a short time to fill and it wasn't sign right there you go Ta-ra. it was you know how are you doing you know should we do a funny pose for a photo and I you know he went and got me some uh, I've got like guitar picks or plectrums whatever you call them he went and yeah. got me like a couple of them and gave them out to fans straight after, you know, with his name on and everything. And I was just, that that for me was the turning point where I was like, yeah, you know what? He seems a, a decent guy. Uh, whereas before that, I, I didn't really watch any interviews with him. Not, not for any purpose, I just I just didn't really, usually with the promotion, it's John, David and Tico now. There's yeah. nothing off Phil really, so there was, you know, it was only about the drills that you ever got to hear and it, it was it was just a different side for me to Phil and you know I, I appreciated that two minutes that I had with him yeah you know you have to think too is two things he saved the band you know you could add any guitar player yeah but you have to have the right guitar player and I think they just they hit it big with Phil and he saved the band multiple times yeah and he adds so much new creativity to the band. Like I said, for Keep the Faith, that's a, that's a prime example of creativity. You know, I, I fell in love with that song even more live because of Phil. And, uh, you know, and I was so happy back in 2016 when they announced that he was an official member of the band. Yeah. You know, because he deserves it. He really does. And, you know, I don't know if I mentioned it, but, you know, he's never tried to replace Richie, yeah. you know. He's just, he's, Phil's a new addition to the band. I don't want to say new because he's been there, but he's an addition to the band now. Yeah, definitely. And I think, as we've kind of touched on, I think he's here to stay till the end show oh. now, which, fair enough, you know. As you said, he saved yeah. the band, he's been there when Richie wasn't, so without Phil, who knows what could have happened. 2013 could have been the last time we've seen them. That could have been the farewell tour. Who knows, you know what I mean? Right. Um, what we're going to do, so I've got three questions and then we're going to go into the lyrics game. So what, what we'll do for the lyrics game, I'll pause this and then we'll do that separately on a different video, but I'll just record that separately. So I always end the podcast on three questions or I try and end it on three questions. The first one, I want to know your favourite album and why. Favourite album? Crush. Because that is what started it all. Yeah. And like I told you that, that summer, I just that's all I listened to and... This is what got me deep into the band, so Crush. So, uh, do you still have that connection with the album, 20 years on? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, so. I still listen to, like, like even, like, Save the World. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just laying back in the summertime on my floor or on my bed just listening to it. No, it just always takes me back to that time. Yeah. Falling in love with the band and the music and, yeah, yeah. Crush. Um, and then I want to know your top three shows that you've attended. So you've already said that the cruise 
was probably the with, with the cruise being number one. Yeah. Okay. So we can't we can't have the cruise involved then. We've got to have three different ones. <laughs> uh, with the band, I would say Allentown 2018. Okay. Heinz Field 2006 during the Have a Nice Day tour. And then I would say Madison Square Garden in 2008 during the Lost Highway tour. Okay, the one that was recorded. Yeah, because that one is actually more memorable to me because that was the last, because my dad used to take me to the shows from 2000 to 2008. And uh, the Madison Square Garden show was the last one that I had with my dad before he died. Right. And so that show will always probably be my favorite one because that was the last time I got to enjoy a Joby show with my dad. Yeah, which fair enough. It's a valid reason. He's the one that got me. I mean, he's the one that went out and bought me the albums that took me to shows, and you know. So if it wasn't for him, who knows how if I would have had Bon Jovi in my life, you know? Well, I, I don't want to go like too into anything, but you think that's another reason that you've stayed with Bon Jovi? That, that 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 connection that you that you yeah. had up till two thousand eight with your dad and so on, oh, yeah. you know, you you kind of carried that on. Yeah, the thing is, is you know, they're always there through the good times where where you want to celebrate things or just you want to go work out, and then they're there through the bad times, you know, whether it was through breakups or not fitting in or you know my dad's death, you know, they're always there for the tough times, you know, and so like when I'm upset or I want to throw my fist on the wall i listen to some bon jovi and it just it it puts me in a, a peaceful state of mind so to say you know so you create memories with them with the music and you know being able to go see all these shows and so yeah yeah so last question always the toughest one top five songs top five yeah oh that's easy what yeah <laughs> well, Roller coaster, welcome to wherever you are. Um, I want you. Uh, let me think. If I had to put four and five, let me think. Fourth would probably be all about loving you, and then always. Wow. So yeah. I change every day. <laughs> you could ask yeah. me now, and then in two minutes it'll change. Mine changed. My my favorite song changes roller coaster has been my favorite for the last three or four years and that's obviously a newer one but beforehand it was welcome to wherever you are that was my favorite from have a nice day up until this house so it, it could change on the next album yeah. probably kind of my you know but my my top five can change too but usually those are the, my top five here's a here's the even tougher question okay what's the what are your top five that you do not like oh Five songs that you just cannot stand. Um, I only I only have four that I don't like. It's it's mad because I I done this like spreadsheet the other day that someone asked me to do and it was ranking the songs, and I was looking at it and I was going to be fair there's no songs that I hate like hate 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 the yeah. songs that I dislike so. If if we're going off that, come on up to our house. I just can't take two. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Unbroken for me. Oh, I, I like unbroken. Um, limitless. Wow.
Wow. Um, and then, do you know what? Like, uh, really, it's probably something off the first two albums that I don't really listen to half as much as I, I, I do with the the rest. But I, I wouldn't know what to. Maybe something like Joey could be on there, actually. I'm not a massive fan of Joey. Uh, she's a mystery. Uh, top five? That, that, uh, I'd have to give that some, some thoughts. There is four songs, maybe five, that I just don't like. All, all the other songs I like, love, you know. But the five that I just, I cannot stand is All Hail the King. Really, yeah? I don't like it. Wow. Uh, come on up to our house, like yeah. you said. I, I, when that song comes out, I kind of feel like I'm watching an episode of Barney or something. <laughs> you know, like, like let's all hold hands and become friends. That, that's, what, that's what I think of. <laughs> um, let's Make It Baby, which wow. is kind of an album. I don't like that one. Wow. Uh, Temptation. Wow. I don't like Temptation. And then Whole Lot of Leaving. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot of people give you that look, or you know, are surprised. But hold on to leaving. I just, I don't know. I like what it stands for, but just the song in general. Wow. See, I'm I, I'm not a fan of it live. I could really live without it live. But wow. <laughs> yeah. No, like like live is the perfect example why I don't really care for it. Yeah. But because like when you start out a show, they do like three or four. Pump, pump you up kind of songs yeah. and then they kind of bring you down to kind of level it out and kind of bring you down for a little bit yeah. and the first one that they do usually is hold on leave and I'm like so like during a concert there's certain songs where I'll, I'll take my photos and stuff of the show hold on leave is one of them wow. Wow. I don't really care you know yeah um, no, as, yeah, as I said, live, I could definitely, definitely live without it. Yeah, definitely. but every other song I like, love, you know, yeah. some I like more than others, but yeah, those are my, those are my five. Yeah, as I said, when I was doing that spreadsheet the other day, you know, there was a couple of four or five songs that I gave, but I thought, there isn't a song here where I've gone, jeez, I despise that, like, don't get, you know, as I said, there's, there's songs that I'll skip, definitely songs that I skip, as I said, She's a Mystery, or... Um, definitely come on up to our house, you know, their songs and Knockout's probably in my top five worst as well. Um, there's, there's a couple like that, but then, but that that's how it's been with me for Bon Jovi on, on a few albums, and then they've got Living With The Ghost, which is just fantastic. Roller Coaster, yeah. I love, like, love, absolutely love it. I know it's very 50-50 with a lot of people, but I, I think Roller Coaster is such a good song. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I, I was made up to hear that in the summer. I got it at, at one of the shows and I was made up. Um, but yeah, top five. Top five worst is quite difficult, that. Yeah, so. Yeah. You know, we, we're all fans and we all, you know, have our likes and dislikes and, you know, so we're all knocking, we're not liking this, we're not liking that, you know, we all have our, have our taste. Exactly. And that, that's, uh, as we've said before, you know, that's kind of why we're all still here. There's, there's songs that. I could be with my best friend at a show and he hates it and I love it and then the next yeah. song I could hate and he loves it, you know, it's it's just one of them. But I think that's what brings everyone back. Everyone's got different tastes and I think it's it's good. It's a good you know, you only have to look at the, the, the polls that you've done on Twitter to see that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So So what we're gonna do
as I said, we're gonna we'll wrap this one up, um, and then we're gonna start another recording for the lyric game. Um, but what I want to say is, you know, listen, you know, thanks for your time on on the podcast. We've done a good hour and a half or so, um, and I was gonna start the podcast with this, but I thought I don't want to uh, start on a bad note. But I want to apologise for anything that's ever been said on Twitter, social media, whatever like that. Um, I say, you know, the, the past two or three weeks where we've kind of been speaking also, you know, with what's happened and, you know, I've seen your post on Twitter, I thought, you know, no, whoever it is, I'll always try and make sure that I'm here if they ever needed it, whether they're my worst enemy, my best friend, someone I just know down the street, anyone, you know, I said, I, I want to mainly apologise for whatever, whatever's been said over the past however long and hopefully, you know, we've flip the page and everything can kind of just be, you know, kind of just like this where we've just spoke about our favourite band for however long. You know, the the thing is, is, you know, and I apologise too, the thing is with social media, you know, especially we've never met before and we've only ever communicated through tweets. And so sometimes things can come off the wrong way, talking to someone, you know, and I'm at fault sometimes at things too. But, you know, the thing is, is that there's more to someone than you realize, you know? Like, like for example, you know, I never realized how good of a guy you are until the last two weeks, you know? And, you know, a lot of people will knock you off for hating the band, you know? And after talking, I don't think you're like that. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, you know, there were some comments that upset me, you know? To me, if you dislike something, okay, it's okay to say it, but to keep doing it every single day, yeah. I, I don't admit that, you yeah. know. So that that's where I kind of I, I kind of came from. But talking to you the last two weeks, it kind of made me realize that you know you're you're as passionate as I am about the band, you know. And like I said, we all have our likes and our dislikes. So yeah, well, one of my downfalls in life is I am a massive lined up merchant, and I can't help it. And a what? I wind up merchants, you know, where like you just, I love winding people up and sometimes you can take it too far. Um, and as you oh, said, yeah. like Twitter, Twitter's probably the wrong place, wrong place for that. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that's, that's kind of one of the reasons I started this podcast is that I can't get my points across on Twitter because yeah. you get you get 200 characters and the last thing I want to do oh, is yeah. six, seven tweets, a full thread of trying to get a point across on something I like or a dislike. And that's one of the reasons I started doing the podcast is because you get to speak about your favourite band and people like me and Andy who wind each other up and have a good laugh about the band and then there's, you know, the more serious podcast with the people who've performed with the band and then there's like me and you who are just diehards who just want to speak about the band and if yeah. they do. That's that's one of the reasons I've done it because it gets it gets people to know my personality and as I said, you know, what you know, I, I never intend to, to hurt anyone or anything like that I am I, you know I do take stuff too far sometimes and I, I've always been guilty of that and I said once yeah. I seen once I seen that tweet of yours about three weeks ago that's all yeah. like it, even even though I knew even though when we spoke and you said it wasn't me you know I still thought it doesn't matter you know if any if, if anything's upsetting you there's a there's a messaging service there that yeah, it's all water under the bridge, you know. I think moving forward, you know, I think we're going to become what well, we already are. I think we're good friends, yeah. and uh, you know, we'll have to do some more chats. Oh and, yeah, 
Well, not one, even just for podcasts, just just to talk and yeah, hang out. Definitely. You know? Well, one thing I'd like, hopefully, we can do is even if it's the last ever show, is maybe try and attend the show or if you go yeah. to Europe on time or whatever, you know, let us know and there'll always be something we can do, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Wembley's a dream of mine. I wanna. If they do Wembley on the next tour, I'm gonna go. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. They play there again. Yeah. Um, but listen, again, thanks very much for your time. What I'll do is I'll I'll stop this recording and then we're gonna do the lyrics game. Perfect. Cheers, Jerry. That'll be two sex. So we're just gonna stop this recording here. Yeah.